I'm David. Uh, I am the pastor, if you're a guest. And we're so, so glad that you're here. And, you know, we celebrate Christmas in a big way. That was big. And we should celebrate Christmas in a big way. I mean, it's a big event. And uh, I remember uh, growing up uh, in, in Baptist life, we had these things called cantatas. Even early in my ministry, every church did a cantata. Some of you may remember a cantata. Cantata is a Baptist word for a musical at Christmas. That's what that means. And, and the bigger churches didn't just have a cantata. They had pageants. And pageants were fancy because they got... They got to have an orchestra at the pageant night. Now, when I was growing up and early in my ministry, Baptist, we, we didn't have guitars and drums playing because we were told that was of the devil unless you had an orchestra. And then it wasn't of the devil for some reason. It was okay. Maybe because everybody was dressed in a suit. I don't know. I guess that's what it was. But the pageant, the pageant was a big thing because big churches did that and they have live animals. Like this church over here would have some sheep. And then this church over here, well, if you're going to have sheep, we're going to have sheep. We're going to raise that sheep and have a donkey. They'd have a donkey. And then the church over there, they would add a camel because then the wise men could come in on a camel. And there was one church that they added a live tiger. I have no idea what the live tiger had to do with the birth of Jesus, but it was there. It was big. And then I come here, and in my last church also, we had living Christmas trees. They were living Christmas trees. They weren't dead Christmas trees. Presbyterians had dead Christmas trees. We had living Christmas trees. It's bad. And you have all the lights on there, you know, and all the music coordinating the lights. We do things big. And we should celebrate big. We celebrate the birth of Jesus big because it's the presence of God. God in the flesh. Jesus, that's a big thing. And, uh, and, it, and it goes back to, to the biblical times, all the way back in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, uh, the Jews had this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And, uh, and the Ark, Ark represented the presence of God. And so, you know, when, when, when the Ark, David took the Ark and he brought it back to Jerusalem. And then they, when he brought the ark back to Jerusalem, all the people, and David led them, were dancing in the streets, man. You would, you, we Baptists, we don't ever like to read that part of the Old Testament. We don't like to read the dancing in the street parts at all. And David was dancing. And David, and try to picture this. Well, probably don't, literally don't picture this. I shouldn't have said that. But David danced so much that all his clothes fell off. Can you imagine your preacher get up here dancing and all the clothes would fall off? That would be a terrible thing to happen. That would be terrifying to everybody young and old, man. And they did that, and they celebrated big. And then, and then Solomon built the temple, and the temple was there for the worship of God, and they celebrated big. They sacrificed, they sacrificed sheep, they sacrificed, you know, calves, they sacrificed so many animals. Scripture tells us they couldn't keep count of how many they sacrificed. You know why? Because when you're celebrating the presence of God Almighty, you celebrate big. And Christmas should be a time where we celebrate big. We've been spending in this Christmas season talking about the birth of Jesus and how important it's a big event, an event worth celebrating. In our series, as we kind of bring it to a close today, it's entitled Born, Mary Had a Baby. And, and we've seen, uh, you know, the virgin, we, we've seen the son, last week we saw the birth. And today we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20, and we're going to look at the good news. And so here's what uh, Luke says in, in verse uh, 8 right here. In the same region... There were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, And lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. And they were praising God. And they were saying this or singing. Glory 
glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told about them, uh, the Christ. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. So here's the thing. We come to the, the last message in the series. And this is the thing that I really want you to see from the message today. To celebrate Christmas is to celebrate good news that we have a Savior. A Savior to follow and a Savior to share with others. To celebrate Christmas, you're really going to celebrate it. Then you're celebrating the good news. We have a Savior. We follow him and we share him with others. So as we kind of look in this message, I'm going to start today by talking to you about the simplicity of Christmas. Christmas should be simple. And we make it complicated. And I get that. We, we add so many layers to Christmas for the complications. Uh, you, know, we, you know, the presents thing, you know, and, and we make presents complicated. I know. And we got some folks going to be at our house Christmas Day, you know. And, and we thought we had everything done. We had all the presents bought we needed to. And then my wife discovered we didn't have enough for one individual. They only had eight gifts to open Christmas Day, and they needed nine. So last night... Saturday night before Christmas, we went out shopping to Kohl's, and there was a million people at Kohl's that night. Everybody was there, and we were shopping. There were crowds. You were fighting, you're elbowing, you're grabbing all this stuff. We went out there. We went out and did all of that so we could buy a pair of socks. That's it, man. One pair of socks. Now you got nine gifts, man. You're good to go. We spent all that time for a pair of socks. You know, we went through all that. And then we complicated the meal. Who's bringing the meal? I remember growing up, you know, who's bringing the green beans? Who's bringing the pecan pie? Is Aunt Alta bringing the pie, pecan pie? No. We need to get Aunt Eunice to bring the pecan pie. Her pecan pie is better than Aunt Alta. Don't tell Aunt Alta because she thinks she makes a good pecan pie. We did all that. Who's bringing the Brussels sprouts? We pray to the Lord. Nobody brings Brussels sprouts. Who can celebrate eating that garbage? Oh, man, that's horrible stuff. And we make it complicated. And it's really not. Christmas should be simple. And why? Because at its heart, Christianity is simple because once we become followers of Christ, Christianity boils down to two things. I'm serious. When you become a follower of Christ, only two things really matter. The first is that we honor God in everything we do. And the second is we tell people about Jesus. It's just that simple. That's, it's the simple message of the gospel. It's the simple message of Acts. The message found in all the books that are written in the New Testament. And all of that traces back. All of that comes back to Christmas. Because Christmas really is about two things. And we're going to see that in the story today. It's about honoring and praising God and telling people about Jesus. That's it. So we're told here in verse 8. There were shepherds out on their field at night watching over their flocks. Now, shepherds, and you got to understand this, in the Jewish social structures, shepherds were of the lowest class. Now, we don't, in our world today, I know we don't, we shouldn't talk about some people being at a higher social class and some at a lower. That's, we shouldn't do that. But back then, they did that. It was just the way it was. And they were the lowest of the low. And shepherds, and part of that reason is they were untrustworthy as a group. It was said of shepherds, they have a hard time telling the difference between mine and thine. You know, they would get people's stuff confused. In fact, so low were shepherds thought of that shepherds could never testify in a Jewish court of law. Their, their testimony would be invalid. Now think about this. This kind of blow your mind some. 
At the birth of Jesus, outside of Mary and Joseph, the first people to see Jesus were shepherds who couldn't testify in a court of law. They saw anything. In the resurrection of Jesus, the first people to see the resurrected Jesus were women who were not allowed to testify in a court of law. Something about God not caring about men testifying in any courts in there somewhere when it comes to who he is. And so these were shepherds there. And they were probably the temple shepherds because at the temple they would sacrifice sheep all year long. And so they would be out there watching over their flocks at night. And then it says, and these were probably devout men, even though they were the lowest social class, they were, they were probably devout men because they were watching the, the, the temple sheep. And an angel appeared. You know, and all throughout the Christmas story, there's the angel, Gabriel. That's who we know him as best. You know, you go, you go to the book of Matthew, there at Joseph, the angel shows up. In the book of Luke, first chapter, Zechariah, there, there's the angel. Uh, you, you come to Mary, there's the angel. And here with the shepherd, the angel shows up again. And, and as the angel showed up, it says this, the glory of the Lord shone all around him. The glory of God was with the angel. Now, here's the thing about God. Central to the character of God is that he is holy. God is holy. The word holy means to com- be complete, to be perfect. It comes from a word to be cut towards oneself. So God is complete within himself. And because of that, nothing that is unholy, nothing that is sinful, can ever come to the presence of God. You and I cannot on our own come into the presence of God because we're sinners. We are sinners that stand guilty before God of sin. We bear the guilt of sin. We can't come into the holiness of God. So how can people ever experience the holiness of God? And the answer to that, as we see throughout both the Old and the New Testament, is through the glory of the God. The Greek word doxa means the glory, the brightness, the illumination. It's the idea of the brilliance of God shining through the darkness. The glory of God is the revelation of God's holiness. God manifests or makes known that he is holy through his glory. And so this is the angel of the Lord. It is the Lord's messenger. The word angel means messenger. And the glory, the holiness of God was upon this messenger who had come to these lowly shepherds. So here's the thing. The holiness of God, as experienced in his glory, is our reason to honor, praise, and worship him. The holiness of God, which you experience how? In his glory. In the glory, that's how we come to honor God, praise God, worship God, all the things. It's through his glory. So, there was the angel. And when they saw the angel, the shepherds, like everybody who sees the angels, were, were frightened. So the angel says, don't be afraid. And then he says this, I bring you good news, or I proclaim to you good news. Now that phrase, I bring you good news, in, in the Greek language is just one word. And if you were to take that word in, in the Greek, and you were to kind of transliterate the letters and kind of transpose them into English, you would see the word evangelism. Because that word, the Greek word, when you look at it, it's evangelism. It's to share the good news. That's what evangelism is, to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. The noun, evangelion, means evangel. Now, good news is important. We want good news. Back then, they loved good news. It wasn't used very often uh, in, in the Greek culture, in the Roman culture back then. It was, it was used, for instance, if uh, an emperor or somebody important had a child, they may say good news, a child was born. Um, if they won a great victory, they may say, we have good news, we won a great victory. But outside the, the New Testament, it wasn't used much. In the New Testament, they kind of used that a lot because it's an important word to us. We need good news. Think about Christmas. You know, some of you love the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. At the end of it, it has good news, right? You, you, the Christmas Carol, I love the Christmas Carol. At the end, there's good news. 
how the Grinch stole Christmas, man. At the end, his heart grew so big. That's good, good. He's still green, but his heart grew big. It's, it's good news, man. I mean, and that's what it's about. And, and the concept, the word good news, sometimes in the New Testament, it's, it's the word gospel. Gospel and good news, interchangeable. It's the same, same thing. It's from the same word. And the gospel is, you know, it's about, it's about Jesus usually, or his message of ministry. See, here's what we see Paul writes about the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. He says, this is the gospel, that Jesus died for our sins. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture and was buried. And was raised on the third day by the Lord, according to the scriptures. And he's been seen again. So the gospel was that Jesus died. The evidence of his death was that he was buried. He was raised back to life on the third day. The evidence of that is he was seen by people. In fact, I'm going to be preaching for that in the first Sunday in in January from that passage. And that's, that's the gospel right there. So here's the thing. This is important for us to know. Good news is always about a person, Jesus, and his mission. And his ministry of Jesus. Okay? The mission and and, and the message of Jesus. That's the good news. So what is good news? What is gospel? Always, 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 always connected to Jesus, his mission, his message. So when we hear about good news, that's important. So when when, when the angel talks about good news, we got to understand that it's connected to Jesus. And so here's what he says. I bring you good news of great joy, which is for all the people. Now, joy, joy is something to celebrate. And when, you, when, we, when we sing Joy to the World, we, we celebrate that song. You know, nobody wants to hear Joy to the World slow and boring. Sometimes on the radio, you, you'll hear someone sing Joy to the World, and, and it's like, oh, my goodness, it sounds like you're at a funeral. Joy to the World, we celebrate. We, we heard it a while ago. We sang it here. We celebrate joy. I bring you good news of unspeakable, immeasurable joy, which is for all the people. Now, we understand that in our culture today, in our world, that all people means everyone. Now, now, back then, because of the time and because of how they understood the Messiah, specifically back then, the, the, the people were the Jews. So we have, we have good news for the Jewish people, the Messiah is coming. But quickly, that began to blow up and expand out to everyone. Good news of great joy. And here is that news. Here is the good news. For here's what the angel said. Today, in the city of David, has been born to you, and get this, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior, Christ, Lord. The, the, the key to all of this, the key to everything about Christmas in so many ways, is those three words. Jesus, who was born, is Savior, Christ, Lord. Now, the concept of Savior, uh, it comes from the idea of being rescued or delivered. And so in, in Greek and Roman culture, it carried the idea, and I've used this before, if you're at sea and, 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 and your boat, your ship, and capsizes, and you're, you're in the waters, you grab wood, to something to hold on to, to try to survive. You can only do that so long. I mean, you're, you're going to drown, you're going to get hypothermia, you're going to get eaten, something's going to happen. You can't save yourself unless someone comes to save you. That concept of saving means someone is required to deliver you. When you come to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the letters that are written, the idea of salvation is always tied to Jesus or God, but Jesus saving us. So you have a Savior. What is he saving us from? Well, our sins. Because here is the holiness of God. And even though sin is never mentioned, it's understood. Here's the holiness of God. And, and we cannot experience him. We're guilty in front of God because of sin. We need someone to save us. The concept of Savior was all throughout the gospel stories. Matthew's story, the angel came to Joseph and said, This child that's about to be born 
You're going to name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Mary is told that the one that she is going to give birth to will be the Savior. Jesus, the Savior. So we understand the good news is salvation. The salvation comes from the child who is both Christ and the Lord. The Christ is that Greek term for the Hebrew concept of the Messiah. The, the person, the Jewish person who would come to deliver his people. It's, it's, a, it's a real live person. The concept of Lord is always connected to God. He is the Lord. It's really in the Old Testament, the name Yahweh, the name of God. Yahweh is translated Lord. So it always has to do with the deity. So you, you have in this, this, this Savior both God and man. That's his nature, fully God, fully man. And we've talked about this all throughout the series. Two weeks ago, I preached just, just the whole message on the virgin birth. Because the virgin birth guarantees us the nature of Jesus is fully God, fully man. And that is so crucial to our salvation because God has determined that it is crucial to our salvation. So you, you have this good news that's being born to you. He is the Savior. He is God in the flesh who will deliver you. So here's the cool thing. When, when, when the angel comes to talk about the one being born, here's the thing. The birth of Jesus is about salvation. God in the flesh, saving us from our sins. That's why we glorify God. This is why we bring people to Jesus. The whole thing about glorifying and bringing people to Jesus, why? Because of the birth of Jesus is salvation. That is the good news. That is the gospel. It is the mission. It is the message. It is everything. Now, after the angel had told them all this and then told them where they could go find the baby, we're told that a whole host of angels, an army of angels just appeared, man. Can you imagine these shepherds? You're just, you're just out there watching the sheep. And then one angel comes, and it's got the glory of God. And then a whole army of angels, that's what the word host means, army. A whole army of angels show up. And what do they do? Well, they're praising God and they're saying or singing Glory to God in the highest. So the first thing out of their lips is to honor and glorify God, to praise God, to worship him. I mean, they can't help themselves. Jesus has come. The Savior has come. Christmas is here. What do we do? We play glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men and women, to those on whom his favor will rest. Now, we're used to hearing that, like in the song, you know, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And when you hear that, the idea can be come across, and people have this concept of Christmas, is that Jesus has brought peace to the world, peace with one another, and the goodwill, the kindness of God is shared upon us. Well, that's not what that means. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't think of it that way. Peace, as understood, especially in the Gospels and in the New Testament, and even back into the Old Testament times, is peace with God. The, 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 Peace among one another, while it's there, some, that's not the prevailing thought in, in, in the New Testament. It's the idea that we have peace with God. We are at conflict with God because of our sin. We have peace. We have peace with God. There's peace. <clears throat> now, on this earth, peace has come through the Savior, through the Christ, through the Lord, through the good news. Peace has come, wrapped up in salvation. It is on those people on whom the favor, uh, on whom the pleasing of God rests or resides. So that's the idea of his grace. When Paul ever, most of the time when he writes a letter, he'll say, grace and peace to you. Grace, the grace of God, which brings 
peace with God. And so here, here's what we're seeing. We're seeing this concept of, of God's favor, his grace upon us, bringing peace. That's what the angels are singing about. They're proclaiming the good news, the salvation that comes with God. They can't help themselves. Then the shepherds, they hear this. They say, what are we going to do? And they say, well, let's go see the baby. So they go see the baby. And when they see the baby, they start sharing with other people what all they've experienced. Now, some take it to mean they just shared with Mary and Joseph. But the idea really is they were sharing with others. Who would they share with? Most likely shepherds. No one else would listen to them. No one, they couldn't testify in court. No one could trust them. The only people who trusted shepherds are other shepherds. And so they shared with the other shepherds. And in all this happens, here's what we see. Here's the, here's the Christmas truth that comes out. When you encounter Jesus, your natural thing to do is tell other people about Jesus. That's what the angels did. They were, they were, Jesus has been born. We're telling you. What the shepherds do? They went and saw Jesus. Yep, he's there. First thing they did, they went and told other people about Jesus. And here's what, here's what Luke tells us in, in, this, in this passage of Scripture in the Gospels. Everybody who heard it was amazed. Messiah's come. We're all amazed at his coming. And the shepherds, were told, began praising and glorifying God for what they heard with their ears, saw with their eyes, and they glorified God. Here's the thing then. The other thing we see, the natural reaction is this. Glorifying God is the expected reaction of encountering Jesus. It's time of celebration. Celebrating a Savior. It's, it's the expected reaction. We encounter Jesus, can't help ourselves. We've got to glorify him. So here's the thing. What do we see? The angels and the shepherds. The angels, the, the, the exalted ones of God's creation. The shepherds, the lowest of low. They do the same thing at the Christmas story. They glorify God and they tell people about Jesus. Because that's what people who encounter Jesus do. We say this all the time about our church. And I say this about us as Christians. Here's what we do. Once we become followers of Christ, we bring honor to God. We tell people about Jesus. That's what we do. We don't do much else. I mean, that, it, or not, believe it or not, in our church, that's simply our focus. Sometimes people will come up with ideas. Well, why don't we do this? Or why don't we do that? It's not that they're bad ideas. It's not that they're good things. But if they don't help us in our pursuit of honoring God, and if they don't help us in our pursuit of telling people about Jesus... We don't do it. It's just that simple. That's the simplicity of our faith. It is the simplicity of Christmas. Honor God, proclaim Jesus. So, in wrapping up this entire Christmas series, I want to talk about Christmas all year long. (laughs) Some of you are thinking, oh, man, I don't want Christmas all year long. And I'm I'm not talking about all the crowds, and I'm not talking about, you know, all the, the singing. I'm just talking about the heart of Christmas, the simplicity. Um, so in June 25th, you know, whenever I, I see June 25th, I say, hey, it's halfway through the year to Christmas. You know, we're halfway to Christmas. We're, we're on the downhill slide, slide, and I know that means it's time for us to start buying stuff for people and get ready for Christmas, you know. And then July comes, and sometimes you'll see, like, charities will have Christmas in July kind of thing. People start talking about Hallmark will start for about three weeks in late July into August. They'll start showing Christmas movies. They show you all the old Christmas movies so they can show you trailers and previews of the 600 new Christmas movies that start in October. 
because that's about how many. I know, because I've got them all recorded. You know, every one of them. We watch them all. 600 movies, same plot, same theme in all of them. It's pretty sad. I can start telling you the names of the men and women acting in, in those movies. Hey, look at that. It's, that's night. Christopher Palaha. I like him. That's sad, man. Sad. And we start thinking Christmas all year long. And then, you know, August, Hobby Lobby selling Christmas stuff. By the way, they're through selling Christmas stuff. If you go there tomorrow, Hobby Lobby's closed today because they worship the Lord. Praise God. Them at Chick-fil-A. You go there tomorrow to Hobby Lobby. Christmas is on one shelf in aisle 18. That's all they got left, man. They're, they're, they're already in to, to Easter and 4th of July. They're getting ready for all that stuff. But to celebrate Christmas all year round means this. We live our lives to honor God. We live our lives to honor God. So in your life, how do you honor God every day? We honor God in how we deal with people. We honor God with how we treat our friends and family. We honor God in the way we treat the people that wait on us. We honor God at the place we work. We honor God in the things we do in our private life, in our habits. We, we honor God when we drive, which I have to admit, I have to work on that sometimes. The other day I passed somebody who was going kind of slow. And Debbie said, they could be a church member. So if they're a church member, then they understand that their pastor drives pretty aggressively and they should be prepared for that. I tell them that all the time. It's a big deal. Everything in our life, 365 days a year, is to honor God. So in your life, how do you honor God every day? Tell you what else we do. We proclaim Jesus to people because ultimately people know Jesus. I mean, that's, 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 what we, that's what we do as a church. We do a lot of other things, but ultimately we're, we're proclaiming Jesus. Here, here's the thing. Every one of you who is a follower of Christ, you know, this one, you know at least one person out there who doesn't know Jesus. And then you know Jesus. And you have the job of helping the person who doesn't know Jesus and Jesus come to know one another. It's our job. I say this all, all the time. Get people to Jesus as fast as you can because only Jesus can save them. And your friend needs to be saved. Could be a coworker. Could be, could be somebody in your neighborhood. Go to school. Could be a school friend. Could be a family member you're going to see at Christmas. Could be a lifelong friend. I have them. In fact, I'm working right now on a way to get uh, how to get so many of my friends who don't know Christ to know Christ. Because we've got to proclaim Jesus. We've got to help them come to know each other. Who is that one person this year you know needs Jesus? Who is that one person? What are you going to do to help them come to know Christ? What are you going to do to help them come to know Jesus? And the third thing is we celebrate as often as we can. We don't do this enough. We need to celebrate. Next week, you know, the last Sunday of the year, before the New Year starts, we're having Lord's Supper and Baptism. Those are times of celebration. All too often in Baptist life, and I know they're, they're worship events, but all too often we're so somber. I can remember and I was pastoring in Laredo back in the 90s. And this is the first time this ever happened to me. And I'm baptized. You know, when you're baptized, shh, we're baptizing. You can't say anything because it might disrupt the baptism. And I'm baptizing. And when I'm baptizing, somebody takes a flash picture. Hear this flash go off. That's never happened. And, I, and I'm sitting there, and I got the person under the water. And I stopped for a second while they're under the water to contemplate. What I, what, did you just do flash? Oh, sorry. You just did flash photography. You know, and I'm like, I'm going to pull them back up because they're starting taking water. And they're starting to sink. They need to be rescued, delivered. And then it, but it dawned on me, why, why wouldn't we want to remember? This is one of the most important events in that person's life. Why wouldn't we want to remember that? 
So next week we're having baptism, should have a baptism in this service. And we'll have the baptistry over there. We're going to have a video, and we're going to have the video up there. And then when they're baptized, people shout, and they celebrate, and the family applauds, and we get so excited. You know why? Because it's something we're celebrating. We should celebrate baptism. We're going to do the Lord's Supper. No, we can't celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's got to be like a funeral in here. And I know it's worshipful. But I mean, w- w- stink about it. And some people get so bent out of shape because they're going to look at me. And, oh, the pastor's not wearing a coat and tie. It's the Lord's Supper. That's not right. We're not walking down the aisle correctly and, and doing it right. We're changing the way we did it. And you get so bent out of shape of things don't matter. Let me tell you what the Lord's Supper is. We're remembering the resurrection of Christ. We celebrate. Now, when I do the Lord's Supper, I don't let anyone know because I don't want to disrupt you. But I'm up here and to myself, I'm celebrating. I'm saying, thank you, Lord. It's a time to celebrate. We don't celebrate. What are you going to celebrate at Christmas? And I know you're going to have a great Christmas. How are you going to celebrate? Now, I have to ask myself, no, we've got some family coming. So how are we going to celebrate Christmas? The good news. It's the news we celebrate. Christmas is such a cool day, you know? I know what's going to happen. You're going to get up Christmas morning, and you go to the tree, and the lights are on the tree. And there's all those gifts there. I know they're all there. I paid for them all. I bought every one of them. Three Christmas trees full of gifts on the house, this guy. And there's over there, there's the cookies in the milk he left out for Santa, and the cookies are gone, and the milk's gone. Santa came. Dad's got an upset stomach, but Santa came. We're going to open the presents up. We're going to feast on food, and family's going to argue, and they're going to fight, and all that cool stuff. When are you going to celebrate Christmas? Now, I'm going to tell you the good news is something we should celebrate every day. Glorify God. Help people come to Christ. Some of you need to come to Christ today. You need Jesus. You really do. You've never trusted Jesus to be your Savior. You can do that. That's why you can't. That's the whole purpose of Christmas. The whole purpose of Christmas is so you can trust Jesus with your life. So why don't you give your life to Jesus today? Right now, just as I speak, just give your life to Christ. In just a moment, some of us will be up here. And you can come if you want and say, you know, I need to trust Christ to be my Savior. Do that. And they'll probably put a number up on the screen. If you don't want to come, that text, you know, respond to that number on the screen that comes up in a few moments. And we'll know to get a hold of you that you need Jesus. I mean, you need to give your life to Christ. And some of you, you need to think about that person you know that needs Jesus. There they are. Here's Jesus. How are you going to get them together? And you need to make this commitment today. God, sometime in the next 366 days, because that's leap year, sometime I'm going to get them connected. I make this promise, God, I'm going to take that person I know, and I'm going to take Jesus, and I'm going to make sure they meet. Maybe you need to make that commitment today. Some of you, just, you need to praise God. You haven't praised God all Christmas because you've been too busy. And maybe what you just need to do is say, God, I'm praising you right now for Jesus Christ. I'm praising you for the good news of my salvation. And for some of you, you just need to celebrate. So today is the time to celebrate. It's, it's, it's the time to celebrate one thing above all else. It's time to celebrate good news. Glorify God and help people come to know Jesus. Father, we celebrate. We praise you. We honor you. What a great and glorious day it's been. 
And Father, just what a great opportunity to celebrate the good news. And I pray that we would do that. And I pray, Father, that we would bring honor and glory to you. And we make the commitment to celebrate with honor. And I pray, Father, that we would make the commitment to help people come to faith. And I pray, Lord, that any person that right now doesn't know that Jesus as Savior would commit their life to Christ. Because, Father, this is what the good news is all about. Getting right with you, to glorify you, to honor you, to know Jesus as Lord, and to share him with others. So let us leave this place today, Father, knowing this one thing. All of us can celebrate together the good news of Christ Jesus, our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? You come. We'll greet you.